saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed, but he, being Jesus, answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But Jesus answered and said to her, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Verse 26, But Jesus answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Now you can read the same story in um, Mark chapter 7, and it gives a few, uh, some different details. But I was intrigued by this woman, and this is a story that I've read several times, and I'm sure many of you have also read or heard about the story many times, but I never saw it in light of uh, moms or Mother's Day until recently. You know, here we have a mom, Canaanite woman, uh, in the Gospel of Mark, it says she was a Syrophoenician. So here we have this woman who has a daughter who's has some, who has some serious problems. Serious problems. She's demon-possessed. And I don't know if you ever had a demon-possessed child before, but I can imagine it wasn't fun, wasn't pretty. But you can imagine, you know, when you hear of demon possession, you know, the movies depict things, and that it's not a pretty situation. The daughter was tormented. In one, in one story, when uh, we see the man come to Jesus and says, could you please help me? My son is is messed up, I'm paraphrasing, and the disciples couldn't help him. And remember, he, was, he had uh, demonized problems. And it, it, it said that the demon would try to throw him in the fire or throw him in the water. So him being demon-possessed, the demons were trying to kill him. And so probably with this little girl, she was having similar problems or maybe even worse. But here you have a woman who has a daughter. So you have a mom. She has a daughter with a severe problem. And she wants to find a solution for her problem. She wants to take care of the needs of her little girl. <clears throat> so she hears about this Jesus dude and, and finds out that he's in her area. He's in her neck of the woods. And so she goes after him <clears throat> and she finds him. And the interesting thing is that she knows being a woman of Canaan and a Syrophoenician, if I'm saying that right, them and the Jews did not get along. You know, just like we know the history of the Samaritans and the Jews was, you know, the Samaritans were half-breeds. They were half-Jewish and half-Gentile. Jews didn't like them. They despised them. There was, there was animosity between them. Well, there was also animosity between the Canaanites, uh, the Syrophoenicians, and the Jews. And later on, you can see, you know, where the, the term dog comes from. So there was a lot of hostility, animosity between these two races of people. And this woman knew that. She knew that the Jews didn't see her in a favorable light. But yet she has a situation that her daughter needs help. And so she's willing to go to this man that she knows is a Jew to seek help. And it says she cries out to him. And in the Greek, I was looking up in the Greek, I mean, she cried out loud. She wasn't whispering. She wasn't, hey, psst, hey you, come here, can I speak to you privately? You know, so now I was thinking about that. She knows that she's going to forbidden territory. She's crossing cultural barrier, barriers, 
that she shouldn't be crossing. She's crossing gender barriers that she shouldn't be crossing. But yet she doesn't care because her daughter's at home and in a bad situation. So she's willing to do whatever it takes to help her daughter. And she comes to Jesus and she cries out to him loud to get his attention. In other words, she was willing to bring unfavorable attention to herself. She didn't care. She didn't care what they thought about her. Because all she cared about was seeing that her daughter's needs were met. This woman reminds me of someone I know. So she came to Jesus, crying out to him. And she even uses, she said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she recognized him as the Messiah. The term son of David. So she was appealing to him as the Lord. Please help me. Have mercy on me. And then as we see in the story, she's crying out to him. And then in in Mark, it says that she kept begging, kept begging. She kept begging him. And then right here in in Matthew, it says Jesus didn't answer her. So here you have this woman screaming after you. And he totally ignores her. Excuse me. And then at the same time, it says that the disciples, now Jesus might not have noticed her. Maybe he didn't notice her. But the disciples sure noticed her. And they come to Jesus and say, please, please, please send this woman away. I'm paraphrasing. She's getting on our nerves. Matter of fact, she's got on my last nerve. Please send this woman away. So you have a woman begging Jesus for help. And you have these men begging Jesus to get rid of this woman. And we can imagine, knowing the history, the animosity between these two races, we can just imagine maybe what the disciples were saying to her. You know, a lot of times when we read the, the stories out of the Bible, we read this stuff, we, we like put it in a vacuum and we forget that there are real people involved. Real people. So this is a real mom traveling. We don't know how far. I mean, it probably wasn't too far since it was in her neck of the woods. Coming to this place to get help. Imagine what she was going through, what she was thinking, what she knew what she was about to face, the risk she was willing to to take. But obviously she didn't let those things stop her. And then she's facing these people, this this Jesus dude, and then his disciples. And the followers of Jesus, these men who are devoted to the King of Kings and Messiah, says, Jesus, get rid of this woman. Get rid of her. So she keeps going, and then finally, she gets a response from Jesus. Finally, after all the, we don't know how long she begged, how long this this took place, but there was some time, and then finally he turns to her, and he says, (coughs) I was, let's see, I was not sent except to the lost children of the house of Israel. In other words, I was just sent to Israel. So after Her begging, she gets a response. I was just sent to the Jews, not to you guys, basically. So he said, in essence, I'm not here for you. And then it says, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. So even after Jesus gives her an answer and says, I'm not here for you, 
She wasn't satisfied. Because remember, her daughter's at home being tormented. And even though the disciples are trying to put her out, and Jesus turns and himself says, I wasn't sent for you. She came and worshipped him, fell down, and said, please, Lord, please help me. And then you would think, it's okay, all right. But then he says, he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, ladies, place yourself in a situation. And for many of you, it may not be that difficult because maybe you've been in a situation similar to this. Here you are approaching the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You recognize he's the Messiah. You're hearing all the stuff that's, that he's doing, and, and you hear about his fame and miracles and everything, so she knows she, he can take care of her little girl. And first he ignores her. Then he says, <clears throat> I wasn't sent for you. And then he says, I'm not going to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And remember, she knew the, the animosity. She knew what was going on. And then she says, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And here's something that I noticed that I'd never noticed before. She just was basically called a little dog. By Jesus. Now, think about that. She could have very easily taken up offense and said, Well, forget you. She could have copped her little attitude and said, Forget you, and said a few choice words and said, See ya. But obviously, she was not concerned about herself, was she? She did not care about herself. Who did she care about? Her little girl at home. She's, and basically, and of course I'm paraphrasing, look, I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you guys do to me or whatever. I need help from my little girl. Please help my little girl. Please help my little girl. And then Jesus said, it is not good to take the bread for the, for the, the children's bread and give it to the dogs. And then she says, but yes, even the little dogs eat from their master's table." She humbled herself in the midst of being humiliated and embarrassed and ridiculed. She humbles herself even more and calls them master. And she's talking about the Jewish people. Because remember, Jesus is talking about his covenant. God's covenant is with the Jewish people. That's the children he was talking about. Their bread is healing for the children. God's covenant people. And she says, yes, but even the little dogs eat from their master's table. She goes, look, I don't care. Yes, I submit. But even the little dogs eat from their master's table. Willing to humble herself, do whatever it takes to get help from her little, for her little girl. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Now I don't want to get sidetracked in this, but because <clears throat> there's been some things I've seen that some people believe that Jesus had a racist problem. That he was racist. And so that when he was encountering this girl, this woman, the things he was saying proved that he was racist. Sounds kind of absurd, doesn't it? People actually believe that. Now, those of you who know the Jesus of this Bible, 
the God of heaven, know that that's not even in his character. So something's going on a lot deeper than we understand. And on the surface, it looks pretty harsh, and, and we don't really understand because we're not in that context. But I can guarantee you this, Jesus wasn't racist. That's not the problem here. I believe there was something he was doing. He was, he was drawing this woman out. Because at the very end, when he says, oh, woman, oh, woman, great is your faith, he was exalting her at that point in time. And he was saying that with emotion. He didn't say, oh, woman, your faith is great. You can have it. Get out of my face. That wasn't his, his, his reaction. It was, oh, woman. Oh, my goodness. And you remember there was other times when people would express faith and he would just marvel. Remember the centurion? The centurion who had the servant? And Jesus says, whoa, dude, I haven't seen faith like this even in Israel. And he would stop and commend people for their faith. And that's what he's doing here with this woman. It's like even in, despite the circumstances, the obstacles, everything that was thrown in her face, she did not get bitter. She did not give up. She even humbled herself to gain the prize. And that was the assistance for her little girl. And he says, you got it. And he commended her. And I think that's awesome. See, this Canaanite woman reminds me of someone I know. This Canaanite woman reminds me of my mom. And I bet as we talk about this and we're thinking of these qualities of this woman, I bet you could say the same thing. Yeah, she reminds me of my mom. Thinking of the sacrifice. You know, it's funny, as a little kid, you don't recognize and even contemplate and think about the sacrifices that your parents make for you, that your mom particularly makes for you. But just looking back, I grew up in a, a divorce home. My parents were divorced. So my mom was raising two sons, <coughs> excuse me, two boys. So she was single. She worked hard. She was a school teacher. But we lived below the poverty line or level, whatever you want to call it. We qualify for all kinds of government assistance. But for whatever reason, she chose not to take it. And that's not saying that anybody who does is bad or anything like that. I'm not trying to say that. But just the kind of woman she was, that she was going to help, she was going to make sure that her sons were taken care of. And just thinking about her in comparison to this, this Canaanite woman, my mom, obviously being a woman of color, and now being a divorced woman, had all kinds of stigma attached to her. Had all kinds of social, uh, cultural, um, gender barriers that she had to overcome to become the woman that she is today. I remember some of the racial things that, we, that were thrown at us. And many of you here, if you are of a minority race... Uh, maybe from another country or, or black or Native American or whatever, you've probably experienced some things like that too. But the interesting thing was, even though we experienced some of those things, my mom never became bitter towards those people. She would treat people with dignity. Every person that she would encounter, she would treat with dignity. Even if she knew they had an attitude towards her. And so what did that do for me and my brother? We're not bitter towards anybody. 
I'm not bitter towards the white man, as some of my race would say, who have tried to kick us down or keep us down, that kind of thing. Because my mom was a great example of grace, of even though she, was, she had things thrown at her, she did not allow bitterness to rise up in her heart, and then she didn't pass that bitterness on to me and my brother. It's like this Canaanite woman. I bet the young woman, it'd be interesting to see how the little girl who was demon-possessed when she got healed, what kind of a woman she grew up into. Pretty interesting it would be, wouldn't it? But knowing the kind of mom she had, I bet the little girl grew up into a great woman. And many of us here today, go and answer that if you need to. We'll wait. It's all right. Or let me speak to him. <laughs> oh, what are we doing right now? We're having church. <laughs> but just think of the things that your mom went through. Many of it, I don't know all she went through, but I just remember little bits and pieces to help me and my brother get to where we are today. And I'm sure you can think of the same things. You know, I remember <clears throat> as a little boy, you don't understand your financial situation. You know, you don't, you know, we're, this is the situation we're in because my parents and this and this, so therefore I should understand and not be asking my mom for certain things. I didn't think like that. If I saw the TV commercials and saw the Rock'em Sock'ems or the, or the Ataris, sorry, I'm dating myself. It's like, ooh, I want that. Right there, I want that. And I remember, as a little kid, I wanted a mini bike. Of course, I saw it on TV. Gotta have it. I mean, if I didn't have that mini bike, I was gonna die. Seriously, I was gonna die. As a young preteen, 11 years old, I just knew I was gonna die if I didn't get that mini bike. And I must have convinced my mom that I don't know, but I just wanted that mini bike. And I remember my mom still working full time, working late sometimes, working hard. I remember thinking back, she, would, she crocheted and she made these other things, but she crocheted and made hat after hat after hat after hat after hat after hat after hat. And on Christmas morning, I realized why she was making those hats. I woke up to find a nice shiny red mini bike under our Christmas tree. We couldn't afford that. I remember my mom doing that. And I remember as a junior in high school, sophomore in high school, had a paper route. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry about that. Had a paper route, ride my bike to deliver the papers. And I saw on TV a Peugeot moped. I don't know if anybody knows what a Peugeot is. It's a name brand from France, I believe. But it was the, awesome, it was the hottest thing out there, and I had to have one or I was going to die. I had some serious health issues when I was a kid. I just knew I was going to die. Oh, God, I'm going to die if I don't have this thing. And I must have convinced my mom of that or something. Because I remember she started making these things, I can't remember what they're called, um, out of um, plaster, plaster of Paris type stuff. And all of our living room floor would be these, these plaster of Paris things that she kind of shield looking things. And they were of, uh, well, they had pictures and stuff on them. And they'd be all over the place. So you have to... You know, step through the living room, make sure you don't find. If she saw me, get out of that living room! You know, because she didn't want me to break them. And on Christmas morning, I realized why she had made all of those things while they were all over the floor. She saved up money so I could have my moped. 
And I know many of you can think of the very same thing. It might not have been a moped or a minibike, but you can think back on the sacrifices that your mom made so that you can have that thing you had to have or you were going to die. And we're all alive. We survived. You know what I'm talking about? The Canaanite woman also reminds me of someone else I know. And that'd be my wife. And you women that are about that, that same category, age category. You know, <coughs> excuse me, seeing a woman who's totally committed to her six kids. And I remember when we were young youth pastors, Robin remembers this, young youth pastors, where's Mike? Mike remembers this. We were having a good time, enjoying the youth. I mean, just loving every bit of it. I loved, at least I loved being youth pastors. But then there came a time and all of a sudden we had little ones. And all of a sudden, Lisa had to fade out. She couldn't be with me at all the youth events like she was at one time. In other words, she had to begin to fade back. She had to begin to stay home and take care of these two little ones that were pulling on her emotions and pulling on her and and demanding all this attention. And while I was still able to have the fun, she was willing to accept her role as a mom and back up and take care of those little ones. Without the bitterness, without the resentment. Now, there was frustration and discouragement. I mean, the normal emotions. But I never saw a woman who was upset because it wasn't fair because she had to stay home with these little brats while you got to go out and play football with the the high school boys. I never got that. Never got that attitude. And you women know what I'm talking about. There are seasons that come in your life when all of a sudden you have kids. It's not all of a sudden. We all know how that works, right? That's for another session. But all of a sudden, though, your life has to change because you're not free, so to speak, anymore to do what you want and go where you want to go. But all of a sudden, you have these little ones that, that you've been blessed with. And sometimes ladies have a hard time making that transition. But I thank God for a woman who did. And I thank God for you ladies who have made that transition or who are in the process of making that transition, accepting the assignment that God has given you. I remember watching Lisa as she embraced the role of, of being a homeschool mom. Something that wasn't easy. Still not. <laughs> it's not over yet. We still got four to go. But, and see, my parents, my family, many of them, you know, all college graduates and everything, but many of them, almost all of them, have education degrees. Education degrees, they're all school teachers. So you can imagine, when it was announced that we are homeschooling our kids, now I had the first kids, I'm the oldest, so I had the first kids, so all the grandparents are oohing and on over our little kids, and I remember my stepdad saying, so Trey, Trey was five years old, and he was about to be going into kindergarten. 
And he says, so, Trey, we're in there watching TV, my mom, my stepdad, me, Lisa, and Trey. And Bryant is scooting somewhere. I don't know where Bryant was. And Trey's sitting there, you know, just swinging his legs on the couch. And, and Leonard says, so, Trey, you excited about school this year? He said, I sure am. And he said, I bet you can't wait to ride the school bus. That was my favorite thing, riding the school bus. And by this time, my heart is about to explode because I hadn't warned my parents yet that we were homeschooling. I hadn't worked that far up yet. See, I thought I had all summer to get ready for this because I was thinking, how in the world am I going to tell my parents that we're homeschooling? And so this caught me totally by surprise. It's like someone took a two-by-four and hit me in the back of the head. That's, that's the emotions I was feeling, fear, anxiety. And then Trey says the wonderful words, we're going to be homeschooled. It's like someone dropped an atom bomb in the house. I was like, oh, no. And my mama's sitting there, and she says, what? And it wasn't a, what? I didn't hear that. It wasn't a hearing problem. It wasn't a, <laughs> she didn't hear what he said. It was, I heard exactly what you said, and I am protesting. That's the what that she was saying. I was hoping she hadn't heard. That way we could have changed it and said, oh, no, he didn't say that. She said, what? And then she said, you're homeschooling. I said, yeah. She goes, why? I should have prayed and asked for wisdom. (laughs) If I could play that role over, I would say, Lord, I need wisdom right now. But I just went blank. I panicked. And I said, because we want to. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. My mom didn't speak to me for the rest of the time we were there. Two weeks later, she calls me. And then she's, cal- she's calmer now. And then she asks me, <coughs> why are we homeschooling? Why are we going to do this? And by this time, I had many, many, many days of fasting and prayer accumulated. Just kidding about the fasting, but much prayer. And I was able to explain to her why we were homeschooling. And after I explained that to her, it made sense to her, I had won an ally. But the, but the whole point is it was pretty hard going through that. And, and, even, and just because they understood and everything, they still weren't really favorable. They weren't excited about the decision. We'd go home and my brother, he's got more kids than I have. Kids than I have, by the way. He's got ten. I only have six. So I have a small family, see? But anyway, when we'd go home, we'd go home, and what's the talk at the grandma's house? What's the talk? How's school? How's school? How's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I always dreaded that because I knew it wasn't always a, a favorable thing because they didn't ask my boys, how's school? They didn't ask Lisa, how's it going? But my brother's kids always got asked, how school and teachers this and oh, this and all that. It's like they were celebrating that, but my wife wasn't being celebrated. But yet, she was still committed. She didn't develop any bad attitudes. She didn't develop resentment. I mean, it was discouraging. It was hurtful. But she stayed committed. And many of you can relate to that. Your parents, your mom, 
has been through some hurtful things, not being, whether it's accepted or being encouraged by a lot of people, but yet she still stayed the course. She still did what she needed to do because she didn't care about what people thought or what people were saying. She just cared about her loved one, her little one at home needing help. Amen? And even when the attitudes of gratitude were not flourishing from these young men that she's with day in and day out, you know, I don't hear the kids a lot saying, oh, mommy, thank you for homeschooling us. We are so blessed that you homeschool us. Thank you every day for taking your time to make sure that we're well-educated. I haven't heard that too much. Now, I'm hearing it a little more from the one who's already graduated and who's in college. But the ones who are still going through this, we don't hear that. But on the contrary, I hear some other things that are not so encouraging. You know, the frustrations of day in and day out, all that kind of stuff. But yet she still loves these boys and girl. She's still committed to them. She still loves them, and she's moving forward in difficult tasks. Just like you ladies are. Even without the support. And unfortunately, us men have not stood by you and supported you and said, you know, even though this is very difficult, I want you to know I support you in what you're doing. I support you. I affirm you in what you are doing. And I believe God's wanting to do that today. He wants to do it all the time. But we're standing in agreement with him today saying, women of God, we affirm you for your decisions that you have made and that you are making. Taking care of our kids. Taking care of us. You know, one thing I've noticed, too, is, is as a man having lots of boys, and the boys do spend time with me, and we do certain things, and they go out and do certain, they've been on a mission field, and they do all this stuff. <coughs> I get to do the fun things, quote-unquote, with them. Their mom does the hard things. She gets the attitudes day in and day out as far as school that I don't have to deal with. And yet... A lot of times I get the praise. I get the affirmation of some of the things my boys do. I'm not complaining about that. I appreciate that. But I think, you know, I got the easy part, so to speak. She has the hard part, and I'm getting all the credit. And many of you women are in that same situation. You do the -the behind-the-scenes hard stuff. But your part isn't seen. Your part isn't, you know, cleaning the dirty diapers, wiping the snotty nose, cleaning up the vomit, the atti- dealing with the attitudes, all that kind of stuff. We don't see that. That's behind doors. Or it's in private. And so we don't see how you, women, are developing the character of your children. Day in and day out, dealing with the attitudes, dealing with the hardships and everything. We don't see that. But we get to see the end result of a young man or a young woman who has wonderful character, who's a joy to be around. And they see that young man or young woman standing with their father, and they say, boy, you've done a great job. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And the mom would be getting the accolades too, but she's at home, behind the scenes. And so to you moms, you ladies... You women of God, today we say, we affirm you. 
We say thank you for being like the Canaanite woman who wouldn't give up. Who's been kicked in the face emotionally, verbally, physically by men, by society. I just love that little noise. He's okay. He is okay. I love that sound. Because <laughs> he's happy and he's chilling out. Because his mama is taking care of him. And he says, it's all good. Because mama's taking care of me. And a lot of us are able to say that same thing. It's all good. Because mama is taking care of me or mama took care of me. And so we can sit down and make funny little noises like that little one. You know, last one thing, last thing I want to touch on. <clears throat> you know, when this woman came to Jesus and she needed help, she needed an answer to her dilemma. Her daughter at home demonized. And the very men that you would think would say, hey, uh, here, we'll help you get to Jesus. And, and the men that you would think that would help her get to Jesus were the very ones that were trying to keep her away. The followers of Jesus were keeping this woman from getting to Jesus. As a matter of fact, these followers of Jesus were telling Jesus, send this woman away. Get on our nerves. And ladies, there have been many of you or some of you, I won't say many, but I'm sure there have been some who have been abused, who have been put down, who have been belittled by followers of Jesus, men. In the church. And thank God that you haven't quit. But that doesn't mean that there's no hurt and no pain there in your heart. But I want to say to you women, as a follower of Jesus, as a man, representing men of God who would also say this very thing, I want to say to you, I am sorry. I am sorry. For the neglect, for the abuse, spiritual abuse, whatever form it came in, I want to say I am sorry and I want to ask your forgiveness on behalf of us men who sometimes ignorantly we've said or done things or purposefully we've said or done things. And at the end, we see at the end of the story, even though this woman had to go through all this stuff, even though you women have to go through a lot of stuff, Look who has the last word, Jesus. And he says, O oh woman, O oh woman, great is your faith. Great is your faith. Great is your faith. He affirmed her like nobody's business. Matter of fact, for all eternity she'll be affirmed because she's in the word now. This woman is in the word, affirmed by Jesus. 
And Jesus wants to say to you ladies, O woman, O woman, great is your faith. And I believe he wants to say thank you for being faithful. When it's been difficult, when you've been persecuted for simply doing what God's called you to do, And us men, us brothers here want to say thank you. Thank you. Because you actually are the Canaanite woman. I'd like to do something in close. I'd like all the ladies, all you ladies to stand, please. I was trying to figure out how to do this, and this may take a little bit, but I'm going to do this anyway. Hmm. We may have more ladies than men. <laughs> you ladies could come up front, please. Just kind of stand up front around here. Facing me. Okay, now any any adult ladies, 18 and up, I'd like you to be up here. Come on, y'all. I'm going to need you to scoot up just a tad bit so people can come in behind you. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite you men to come up. And what we want to do is I want to make sure every woman has had hands laid upon her. We want to affirm and bless them. We want to affirm and bless them. So I'm going to ask you men to come up. And ladies, as these guys, lay, as you feel a hand laid on you, I just want you to know and accept this as the hand of God coming upon you, releasing his blessing, his encouragement, his grace, his forgiveness, all that good stuff. He's releasing it to you. Okay? By faith, that's what I want you to receive. So, Father, we do lay hands on our sisters right now. And we say in the name of Jesus, be blessed. Be blessed. Father, we thank you for these awesome women of God. They've gone through a lot. You and they know what they've been through. But yet they are still here. They have remained strong, remained faithful to you, to your calling. They have not allowed bitterness to take residence in their soul. And Father, for that we are grateful. And Lord, we thank you for the sacrifices that they've made, putting their lives on hold or setting their desires and the things they want to do aside so that they can make sure their husbands and their kids are taken care of. And Father, for that to them we say thank you. Well, we thank you for giving them the grace to do and accomplish these things. 
And so in Jesus' name, we just speak and release the blessing of God on every woman here. And I break every curse spoken on these women. I break it in Jesus' name. By the authority of Jesus Christ, every curse spoken on these women is broken from this point forward right now. Right now. Curses are broken right now. In Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for healing the effects of spiritual abuse. We thank you for healing the effects of emotional abuse and, and physical abuse that they've endured. Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing balm comforting their soul. And Father, I pray that you would affirm them in their spirit like only you can. Letting them know and reminding them how precious they are to you. That they were no accident. That they are not a plan B. But they are your plan A. Father, we say thank you. In the wonderful, precious, awesome name of Jesus. We give you praise, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 <clears throat> well, you women be blessed this week. And guys, we're going to take care of our women, right? <laughs> we're going to take care of our women, right? Amen. All right. Amen. That's what I wanted to hear. Amen. Well, ladies, you guys be dismissed. Hurry up and be first to the lines at the restaurants. And have a wonderful Mother's Day.